Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. Hope you guys are having a lovely morning, evening, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. It's Jared Feinberg here, alongside Mr. Devin Jackson. We got some football to talk about today, per usual. But first, Devin, how was your weekend? Were you able to sit back, have a cold beer while you were watching football this weekend? Yeah, man. Uh, I definitely got to sit back, relax. Uh, I did work a little bit during the, the Saturday and Sunday games, but uh, uh, generally speaking, I had time to, to sit back and, and kind of watch everything unfold. Um, you know, in terms of college football, you know, the games really didn't start to heat up till later in the day. Um, and really, same thing with NFL. There really wasn't too many games that you know, uh, really stood out as close games. Uh, obviously, the Bears-Panthers game was was relatively close, um, but other than that, everybody every other game was pretty much like a a blowout or you know team you know pretty much sealed it. Uh, obviously, the Bengals and Colts game kind of went down to the wire as well as Tennessee and the Texans. Uh, but other games, man, they there was there was quite a bit of blowouts and uh, some surprises over the weekend. But you know. Uh, gotta love college football, NFL football, man. Uh, it's not always predictable from week to week. So, uh, had a little bit of a mix of bagged, mixed bagged of everything. You know, had interesting performances, disappointing, um, and you know, that you won in football. So, uh, excited about this weekend too, uh, coming up. You know, we're getting the Big Ten back in college football. And, uh, now it's gonna be more of a full slate. Get to watch some of those guys that, We've been waiting all summer to see. You see my happy dance. I mean, people on the podcast probably won't see this, but, you know, I'm happy. Big Ten football starting back up this Friday night. Illinois, Wisconsin. Let's go, baby. Let's go. We're about to see Justin Fields for the first time this year, this weekend. I'm excited. All right. Um, enough of that. Um, so we're going to run through some of this weekend's final scores uh, before we dive into um, Saints, or not Saints, um, Bears, Panthers. Let me pull up the scores real quick. So, from the games on Sunday, Titans, big overtime win over the Texans. That was an incredible football game. Um, Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind right now, and he should be considered a MVP candidate. Derrick Henry balling out per usual. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is a genius. Titans win in overtime, 42 to 36. Colts beat the Bengals, 31 to 27. 31 to 27. They came back from being down 21 to nothing at one point. Falcons over the Vikings, 40 to 23. We'll get to that game here shortly. Broncos with a surprise win over the New England Patriots, 18-12. Cam Newton almost staging a comeback at the end, but was not able to convert a 4th and 10 um, on the final drive. Giants beat Washington, 20-19. The Giants got their first win of the season. Washington, um, they're, they're still not good. Pretty damn good. Um, Ravens beat the Eagles 30 to 28. They were killing them throughout most of the, the Ravens were killing the Eagles throughout most of the game. Then the Eagles stayed a late, um, late game comeback, um, and only lost by two points. 
Steelers beat the Browns 38-7. to That was a shock to me. I thought it would be a lot closer than that. Of course, I had the Browns winning, and I'll never pick the Browns to win a um, to beat a very good football team ever again. Um, you know, the last time I picked the Browns to beat a very, very good football team, the Baltimore Ravens at week one, they lost, I think, by this exact, this exact score, 38 to 7, or it was 13 to, or 38 to 13. So, Bears, Panthers, Bears winning 23 to 16. We'll begin to that game here in just a moment. Dolphins with a shutout win over the very horrible and bad New York Jets. The Buccaneers with a statement win over the Green Bay Packers, 38 to 10. Rams, 49ers, 49ers getting the win on Sunday night football against the Rams, 24 to 16. Then we had yesterday's Monday night games. Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs winning 26 to 17. And then the Cardinals beating the Cowboys, 38 to 10. The Cowboys have really shown that they are not a good football team without Dak Prescott. So let's talk Bears Panthers. That was an ugly game. From my perspective, it was still there was still a lot of competitive football throughout the game. Carolina's defense made enough plays to get their offense back on the field, but of course they failed to come back late to save Bridgewater through a bad ball to DJ Moore on fourth and short, and then on the very neck on their very last drive, their next drive, he threw an interception on the first play of the drive and basically sealed the deal for the Bears. So. The Bears are 5-1. and one. They've won five straight. I mean, they're at, they're here at this point. They're 5-1 and one because of their defense has been outstanding. They got into Bridgewater's face so many times throughout the game. Carolina's offensive line is bad, just bad, outside of Taylor Moton. It seems like everyone from left tackle over to right guard is just putrid. It's not Cincinnati or New York bad, but it's bad. Tahari Whitehead is still the worst signing for the Panthers in terms of um, being a starter or being one of the team's true starters. He can't make a damn tackle to save his life. He can't play well against the run, and he's not good in coverage. So I, I'm just really questioning why Phil Snow is still starting Tahari Whitehead at Mike Linebacker when you have Shaq Thompson who has experience at playing Mike, Line, Mike Linebacker and has done a pretty damn good job when, play, when playing at Mike Linebacker. So still one of the more questionable decisions um, throughout the season with the Panthers is why do you still have Tahari Whitehead starting when you can start Thompson in the middle with Jermaine Carter, who is probably a better linebacker than Whitehead right now, and put him in the game. I I, I still don't know. Um, so I really hope that Tahari Whitehead is gone by or not gone, at least benched by either next week or the week after because he has been one of the true liabilities of that defense. And that's why the defense has sort of struggles because – Whitehead has not been doing his job as a Mike linebacker. So it's really disappointing to see. Um, DJ Moore, outside of like two or three drops in the, in that game or 
in Sunday's game against the Bears. He had a really good game. He looked really good. Robbie Anderson now leads the league in receiving yards. Brian Burns still quietly uh, the best player on Carolina's defense. Jeremy Chin had a great game, plus he had his first interception of his career. I can't wait to get into his tape later on today, um, today, Tuesday, or on Wednesday when this podcast should be out. So Carolina's 3-3. Three and three. They'll be playing New Orleans, who are coming off a bye. I'll go ahead and say that the Panthers are going to lose this um, this coming Sunday to the New Orleans Saints because the Saints have an insane amount of talent and so much more talent than Carolina, and they have a better chance of making the playoffs than Carolina does. So I'm expecting a loss to New Orleans, and they're no question the better team. So. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, I'll, Devin, I assume you watched the game, the Bears, pa- Bears Panthers game. Um, if you didn't, um, that's fine. Um, if you did, what were your thoughts from that game? What what surprised you the most from watching that game? Um, I was, I guess, I was a little surprised that the Panthers weren't able to kind of get their offense going a little bit more. Um, I understand the Bears, uh, their defensive line uh, is stout. You know, Khalil Mack is a problem uh, for any team that he go, goes against. Uh, so I guess I was more surprised that, you know, he wasn't able to, uh, you know, Panthers were able to, you know, get something going offensively, uh, get Robbie Anderson more involved, uh, get some of those other guys more involved as well. Um, and then, you know, the thing about the Bears, though, is that their games are always ugly, but they find a way to win. Uh, it's not a pretty, uh, you know, smooth game plan, but they make just enough plays to win. Um, and that's the type of com- complimentary football you, you're going to need, especially towards the end of the season. Um, so, you know, it's the, the losses that the Panthers have taken this year, they've all been tough. You know, they, there's not one loss that hasn't been tough for them. Um, and I knew they'd be a tough team uh, coming into the season. Uh, it's not a team that you can just beat by 20, 25, 30 points. You know, this isn't the New York Jets or anything like that. So uh, to me, you know, the Panthers are always going to be a tough draw. Uh, this is going to play them uh, on Sunday. Uh, it's a tough draw for the Saints. Um, but they're coming off a bye week. And, you know, hopefully they get some more people healthy. Um, you know, Michael Thomas will be back. So. Hopefully he's back and, and able to contribute in a big way. We get all of our safeties and corners back healthy as well. And Janoris Jenkins back healthy. Uh, so hopefully, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those good divisional games between, uh, two teams that, um, will be in a playoff hunt throughout the, throughout the entire season. So, uh, the Panthers to me, man, uh, they're definitely overachieving from what people were expecting coming into the season. Um, but like you said, linebacker position, that's got to be a big stickler, whether they're going to decide to put Shaq Thompson there or draft someone that can play that linebacker, that might linebacker position. Just like the Eagles, the Panthers have that deficiency at Mike linebacker. So I expect both of those teams to either make moves in the offseason or to, um, to, to build in a draft at linebacker. One of the things that the Panthers have struggled with offensively throughout the season has been their red zone offense. I, and it's mainly because Teddy Bridgewater isn't 
aggressive. He's not an aggressive quarterback. He's conservative, but he's smart with the football. And I respect that. But when you're in the red zone and you have a chance to really put on some points, which they had multiple opportunities to do so yesterday and throughout the last few weeks, um, they, they've not come up with any touchdowns. Hell, they might, they sometimes haven't even come away with field goals. Like this is, this has to change at some point. Um, they have to be better in the red zone. They have to be. If they want to be a high-scoring offense, they have got to be better in the red zone. Teddy Bridgewater needs to be more aggressive in the red zone. Sure, you may throw a couple interceptions. That's the risk when you're throwing in the red zone. The field is shorter, much shorter. You've got 20 yards to score, and the field has condensed very, very much. And so it's it's like Teddy Bridgewater is kind of scared to throw into the end zone against any sort of coverage because he'd rather check it down and play it safe underneath, which I totally understand. It gets you that small yardage, and then you get the first down, small yardage, first down, whatnot. So I get it, but... There needs to come a time where you need to be aggressive in the red zone. High risk, high reward. So I just want to see more aggressiveness in the red zone. If you don't score, but you still played aggressive in the red zone, I'm, I'm totally down with that. But the red zone inconsistencies have got to stop. They have got to. They've got to be more consistent. So that's one of my biggest knacks for Carolina offensively. Defensively, their secondary is still struggling. Um, of course, I've um, addressed the Mike linebacker position um, for Carolina. Um, the defensive line looked – it still looked about the same as it has all season. Brian Burns really being the only guy creating any sort of pressure. Derek Brown has continued to flash every week. He's getting better every week. He's made plays against the run. He's been making plays in the backfield. He's doing a great job so far. He leads the league right now in tackles for loss, if I'm not mistaken. So he is playing great football. He is flashing a lot. And I believe by this time next year, he's going to be an absolute baller. And he's going to be one hell of a draft pick when we look back at it. He, you, you can tell he is just on the cusp of having that breakout rookie game where he just comes into the NFL and says, hey, I'm here. I'm here, folks. I'm here to dominate for years to come. So I'm just waiting for that game. Could it be against New Orleans this weekend? Maybe. But that offensive line's still really good. So that's going to be his biggest challenge um, yet. So I'm excited to see Derek Brown against a potential matchup with Cesar Ruiz or even Anders Pete, who is Anders Pete healthy? I assume he is. Uh, he's in and out, man. Um, it's not really too consistent. You know, he, he, it's, it's just, it is what it is, man. At this point, you know, he, he's in the lineup, he's out of the lineup. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened where he's out of the lineup, but man. Man. You know, I, when Andrew's feet was drafted, I was like, oh, this might actually be a worthy pick, but. 
of course, it's not really been a worthy pick. So Panthers are now three and three. They're playing New Orleans this upcoming weekend. If they can beat New Orleans on the road, that's going to be huge. And that's going to be horrible for New for New Orleans. I can't speak this morning. Um, so big game this weekend for Carolina. I would say this is a big game for New Orleans if they want to start really firing on all cylinders. I think they really needed this bye week this early in the season because they've been struggling. Their record may not indicate that, but they're struggling. Their team is struggling. Breeze is not good. He's not. That offense has been struggling overall. That defense has been struggling. The secondary has as well. So the bye week, they probably needed that. So I'm expecting them to fire fire on all cylinders this upcoming weekend and beat Carolina. So that's my expectation. Let's move on to Green Bay, Tampa Bay. I watched bits and pieces of this game. I watched a good amount of the first um, of the first half um, and a little bit in the second half. Gronk looked good, looked like his old self. Glad he played well um, this um, this past weekend. Um, old Tommy Brady, he looked good as well. Ronald Jones is running the ball really well. The Bucks defense is on fire. Todd Bowles should be a head coach probably by next year. Hell, probably in a couple years if he decides, hey, I want to stay another year and try to help Tampa Bay win another Super Bowl if they go on to win it this year. And Aaron Rodgers looked very human uh, Sunday afternoon. Worst game of the season by far. Tampa Bay really needed that win um, in order to stay ahead of New Orleans and all the other contenders in the NFC. Um, and right now they look like they could, I mean, that was probably their best game overall as a team. And they, and against the Green Bay Packers who were undefeated going into this game, that's huge for Tampa Bay. So very impressed with Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay sports as a whole, they're doing a hell, they're having a hell of a time. Their hockey team just won a world championship. The Tampa, their baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays, they're in the World Series. And now Tampa Bay, they could even go to the Super Bowl. I mean, this, this is a, this is one of the true Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. I mean, I know I'm probably overreacting over one game, but, when you're beating a good team like the Green Bay Packers with how well-rounded they are, it's very, very impressive to come away this weekend with a win over an undefeated team, a good undefeated team. So that's what Tampa Bay needed to really start kicking, start really firing on all cylinders. So I'm expecting Tampa Bay to really just start going off on everybody the rest of the way. Um, yeah, yeah, they uh they had a really good game. Uh, I watched the game in full. Pretty much after they won 38-10 and after the third quarter, I stopped watching. But uh, they got pressure on Aaron Rodgers early and often. That's what you have to do against him. Uh, you got to make him confused. Uh, basically, you give you know you stop the running game and and force Aaron Rodgers to to make quick decisions or throw to his other targets outside Devontae Adams. Uh, you have a good chance to win. Uh, that's something the Saints couldn't do when they played them on Monday Night Football. Uh, they they could not get him off the field. They could not, um, you know, get pressure on him. But when you're able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's human just like every other quarterback. You know, normally against a blitz, you know, he's 
he was uh, completing like 60% of his passes and had a couple touchdowns, but he only completed 26 of his 26% of his passes uh, when he was blitzed by the Bucks. So uh, they have the talent on all three levels on their team to to be successful. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. had a really nice game on uh, Sean Bunting uh, Davis, I believe that's I believe that's his name. Um, Sean Bunting Murphy. Sean Bunting Murphy. He he had a really good game as well. Um, they have a really good defense. Uh, Levante Davis is still underrated. Uh, he is definitely not the hundred best player. He's even better than that. Um, you know, according to, you know, what they ranked them in the off season, but man, uh, it seems like every year now Green Bay has this type of game where they just get absolutely steamrolled, you know, on national TV. Uh, last year, uh, they got steamrolled by the Chargers 49ers twice. Uh, this year now it's the Bucks. You know, I, I just don't know. You know, it, it makes you question if Green Bay has the team to, to compete for a championship. Uh, they have a good enough team to make it to the playoffs and, and win in the regular season. But, you know, when teams like really hone in on who, what they're doing and, and what kind of, uh, dynamic offense they're bringing, uh, really outside Devontae Adams, they don't really have the diverse weapons. So I think, you know, obviously they should have, uh, did Aaron Jones die? No, no, I'm talking, I know, I know I'm saying the passing game outside of Aaron Jones. Running the ball in Devontae Adams. I'm talking about like the second, third, fourth uh, okay. options. I'm, I'm just making sure you didn't. Didn't. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was saying, I, you know, I was when about they, to drill you for a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I know when they're, you know, able to run the ball and everything. Um, and he can help out in the passing game, but I'm saying, you know, those third and longs, you know, when they're double teaming Devontae Adams, who's going to win for you? So, you know, that it makes you wonder, you know, should they have used that 27 pick on Jordan Love or should they have, tried to get somebody that can uh, contribute immediately, you know, uh, a game-breaking tight end or, you know, uh, another receiver that, you know, another dynamic receiver. Um, I just worry about that for the Packers, man, um, because we saw what happens when you take away their best two options offensively. So, And an interesting stat I saw on my Twitter timeline um, Sunday evening about Aaron Rodgers he has not thrown multiple picks in a game since 2017 when Green Bay traveled to face Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. And I remember, and I know exactly what game, um, was mentioned. I can remember it like it's off the top of my head. Mary Bird had that butt catch touchdown in the back of the end zone, um, in that game. Um, Thomas Davis got drilled by Packers fans for just putting the hammer down on Devontae Adams, um, knocking him out cold. Um, Greg Olson, I think that was one of his first games back, and he had a great game in that one. Um, the Panthers defense was playing well. Christian McCaffrey um, broke out in a way in that game. Um, that was his rookie year. 2017, um, and that was really the last year Carolina was ever a good football team. Um, so it, it just goes to show you how consistent Aaron Rodgers has been throughout his entire career. Um, and, you know, the flex that we heard over uh, from last week about how Aaron Rodgers, how any season for Aaron Rodgers, he said, Rodgers said this on the Pat McAfee show. 
all of his down years are career years for any other quarterback. And that is so true. So true. Like if, like Cam Newton had a 4,200 yard season and 30 something touchdowns and less than 10 or 10 interceptions or less than even five interceptions. That is a monster year for Cam Newton. That's huge. That's easily his best year as a passer ever in his career. So Aaron, I don't expect this Aaron Rodgers we saw against Tampa Bay to continue. I expect him to bounce back um, throughout the season. He's still really he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Easily a top ten quarterback, at least a top seven um, quarterback in this league. So. I'm not expecting this to continue for Green Bay. I think they're still a good football team. I still think they're one of the Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. So, but that game kind of just showed that Green Bay's human. Aaron Rodgers is very human and they got some things to work on, but they're still a good football team. So that's all I care about. Um, Tampa Bay play had the better game. They had the better defense. They had the better weapons, the better offensive line, the better quarterback that day. It, it just, it is what it is. The Falcons, they played a great game against Minnesota. Yes, I know it was the Vikings, but I doubt with Dan Quinn, the Falcons win by that much. 40 to 23. See what happens when you let go a bad football coach. I, and I get Dan Quinn was very liked, um, around the organization and by his players, but he wasn't a good football coach. Your team starts playing well. When you fire a bad football coach, shocking, I know. Matt Ryan was awesome. He was balling out. Julio Jones um, was back this weekend, and he as well. He was still a monster. Their defense looked really solid for the most part. Kirk Cousins, no bueno. No bueno. Three interceptions, and now the Vikings are officially in the quarterback market, if they weren't already. Is it time to start? The hashtag tank for Trevor Lawrence in Green or in Minnesota. I'm not. I'm. I'm close to it. I don't. I don't know if they get there. I don't know if they get that top one pick. But one player I'm really excited about in Minnesota is just Justin Jefferson. He's falling out. He's going to be. He or C.D. Lamb are going to be the best wide receivers from this draft class this year. But I'm not saying long-term outlook. I'm saying just this year alone. They're both balling out. But Justin Jefferson has probably been the better receiver. Um, he's playing incredible football right now. And I plan on watching his game film um, soon to get a good, good understanding of just how good he's done from a tape perspective. So Atlanta, could they start going on a winning streak all of a sudden? Could they whack off five wins? Potentially. I don't know. They're one in five. But, you know, we've seen crazier things in 2020. They could rattle off 11 wins, and Raheem Morris ends up becoming the head coach long term. We just don't know. We don't know. And Falcons fans would be pissed that they missed out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but it is what it is. And we'll get into Trevor Lawrence um, from this past weekend here in just a few moments. But, Devin, what were your thoughts from – Atlanta balling out against Minnesota. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a combination of, uh, you know, trying to prove that, you know, they're still a, a pretty good football team, uh, even without their head coach. Uh, so they definitely had a chip on their shoulder coming into the game. And uh, Minnesota has just not been good this year as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins was not good Sunday, had a couple interceptions uh, where he threw a right to Atlanta defenders. Um, he He's just his time is up, man. Uh, his time is up. I think. Minnesota will definitely be in a Corbett market able to get. That is a different conversation uh, because uh, they're not going to be able to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the Jets have that on lock right now. Um, it's very hard to see the Jets getting more than one or two wins this year, if any. Um, the Viking, at the games. Yeah. Um, Vikings, man, uh, it's tough because they were a team that, you know, were just in the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, obviously lost in divisional playoff to the 49ers, but um, they were there. You know, they were there last couple seasons. So for them to miss the playoffs entirely this year, which seems very likely to happen, and them not even being competitive, uh, there are going to be some big changes. I think they may have a change at head coach. They may have a change at, you know, quarterback. Um, and this whole dynamic of this team, you know, is going to change. Obviously, they're going to, you know, eat the contract that they they gave Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he'll have another year after this year or if this is his last year. But uh, they they got stuck in a bad quarterback deal and now they're not a great team. So uh, you got to figure something out with that. The Falcons, on the other hand, I expect them to win five, six games. I think they'll they'll be competitive this back half of the season. Uh, they'll probably get a few wins that surprise. Um, but they're not going to make a playoffs, man. Uh, I just don't see it. I don't see them being the Bucks, uh, twice or however many more times they got to face them. Um, they already lost to the Panthers. No way they beat the Saints twice. Um, so that, that's just kind of where I'm at with the Falcons. They'll be like in a top 12, 13 pick area in my opinion, but they're not going to be top five. I'm with you there. Um, I just don't see Atlanta really just blowing everything up at the end of season and getting Trevor Lawrence because the contract that Matt Ryan has, if you're going to try and move on from him, is insane. The dead cap money is insane. Um, like, it doesn't make sense to cut him. It doesn't. To move, even move on from him, it doesn't make sense. Julio Jones, maybe. But, again, it's hard to move on from Julio as well because of his contract, so... Not, I, I don't expect Atlanta to be moving on from Julio or Matt Ryan next year at all. Probably not for another couple of years until Matt Ryan really starts to show he's not a good quarterback anymore. But I, that time is going to be coming soon. We just don't know when. So for right now, Matt Ryan's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Julio Jones is still the best wide receiver in football right now. Um, so, you know, Atlanta, I think I agree with you. I think they'll win five, six more games. They'll end up having a top 10 to 12, top 10 or 15 pick in the draft. Um, I just, I don't think they're that bad of a team to start like losing every other game going one and 15 and, you know, beating out the Jets somehow for the number one pick. I just don't see it. So, you know, Atlanta, they needed that win to really prove everyone wrong. Like, hey, 
we're not going to – we don't want that number one pick. We still want to be competitive all season long. So, um, you know, great win for Minnesota. Let's talk about some college football. Trevor Lawrence is the all-time favorite to win the Heisman, and he continued to show that against Georgia Tech by throwing for 404 yards and five touchdowns. 391 of those yards were in the those five touchdowns were in the first half alone. Clemson won that game 73 to seven. 73 to seven. I I was like, okay, you you would expect Clemson to just ease off the ease off the gas pedal and be like, okay. We scored 50 points in the first, in the first half alone. We don't need to score another 20. We're fine. No, they went ahead and scored 20, 20 more points in the, in the second half and they ended up beating them 73 to 7. After one point in that game, it was tied. So, I mean, I was gone. This is, this Clemson football team, I don't care if they're playing Georgia Tech. This team should be the favorite to win the national championship without question. I, I really do believe that. And yes, Ohio State will probably make a great case throughout the season. They'll probably end up finishing the year undefeated as well. But, you know, I feel like we're about to see a head on collision between Ohio State and Clemson in the national championship. It's bound to happen unless Alabama or Georgia or Florida or some other team from the ACC or the SEC or the Big 12 or maybe even a group of five teams sneaks in somehow. We just don't know. Maybe even BYU sneaks in. Who knows? But, you know, Clemson's easily the best team in college. Number one ranking, unless they somehow lose to Notre Dame here in a few weeks. I doubt that happens because Notre Dame is not a good football team. They're very overrated. They don't deserve to be the third-ranked team in the country. They don't. Um, one thing about Clemson, or a couple of things about Clemson, their true, their true freshman defensive end, Miles Murphy, he's an absolute stud. He's one of the best defensive linemen I've seen come through into college in quite some time. Like, this is a beast. He's already making plays that you, you would see on Sundays. Like, this guy has a future in the NFL. And he's a true freshman. He's like 6'4", 6'5", 275. And he's doing stuff I would see on Sundays. I'd see some of the top defensive ends in college football do that would say, hey, I can be in the NFL. I can play in the NFL at a pretty good level. Miles Murphy, if he, if the draft was tomorrow and true freshmen were eligible, he could end the first round pick. He's that good. And people aren't realizing that. I think once we see Clemson back on the, Back again on the national stage against Notre Dame. Well, I think we'll see truly what Miles Murphy is all about. And we'll be talking about Miles, Mur- Miles Murphy up until 2023 for that draft. So it's going to be really exciting to see that. Mari Rogers, his stock is on the rise um, after a big game. Um, Devin, what Trevor Lawrence does on a weekly basis should not surprise anyone, but it's still just jaw-dropping what he's doing at the college football level with his type of talent. He's a starting NFL quarterback who's just toying around with the NFL te- or with college football teams. It's unfair, but it's fun to watch at the same time. Like, 
I don't want, I'm, you know, it, it kind of would be inappropriate to label a player, um, a generational talent. But when you're talking about a player like Trevor Lawrence, you have to put the label on him. You have to. Like, this is a dude, I have not seen a quarterback this good in college football that is, like, mechanics, footwork, arm talent, accuracy, football smarts. It's, like, he has everything you want in an NFL starting quarterback today. He can start for enough for plenty of NFL teams today. He could. He could start for the Jets. He could. Oh God, he can just, um, start for Minnesota right now. Teams that currently don't have their star quarterback right now due to injury. He could be playing for the Cowboys right now. He's better than Andy Dalton in my opinion. Like he, I know it's kind of inappropriate to say, oh, a college football player is better than a NFL player right now. It's just not fair. What's not fair is that there's a starting NFL quarterback playing at the college level right now. It's stupid, but it's stupid good. So enough with Trevor Lawrence there. Some of the players that really stood out to me besides Lawrence and Amari Rogers, J.C. Horn making his case against Auburn after his fantastic performance. I can't wait to dive into that uh, all 22 once it's available. Um, Jalen Waddle stood out to me, of course. He had a great game. He's been having a great year. He's had 100 yards receiving every game. Um, he, he's easily the best receiver in college football right now, up until Rashad Bateman comes along. And then Georgia Center, Trey Hill really stood out to me as well. Oh, and I can't forget about Zach Wilson. The dude's a baller, and he he's making a good case every week to be the QB4 for the NFL draft behind the top three guys of Lance, Fields, and Lawrence. So, Devin, who were some of the guys that stood out to you this weekend and, um, like, who, who, whose stock is really on the rise now? Yeah, for me, uh, the name, first name that jumps out to me is Matt Jones, uh, Alabama quarterback. He has been playing exceptionally well. Uh, I was talking to, uh, Tyler Fornes, uh, you know, uh, one of our colleagues with Blue Chip Scout. the ball down the field, uh, taking the shots when they're there, but he's really pushing the ball down the field and vertically, um, and he has confidence, and, you know, he's, he's playing out of his mind right now, so I think that he's a quarterback that can, that's risen up quite a bit. Uh, I had him more on the lower end, but now he's easily a top 10 quarterback in this class, maybe even top five uh, by the time this is all said and done. Um, I don't think his, uh, you know, now his ceiling, uh, I think that's a different, uh, entirely different, you know, conversation. I think that he does um, contribute to having the weapons around him that he does. Uh, I just don't know if, you know, he's going to be, you know, a starter level type player when it goes to the next level. We'll see. Uh, but nonetheless, he's impressed me thus far. Obviously, J.C. Horn as well. Another person that's uh, extremely impressive. Uh Another person that, you know, got quite a buzz at the start of the season, but cooled off and now he's starting to heat back up. Uh, Quincy Roche. Uh, he had a really, really good game against Pitt. Uh, four tackles for loss, half a sack. Um, he, he played really well. Him and Jalen Phillips have really done well for their, their draft stock this season, uh, playing well off the edge for Miami. Uh, a few more players that, uh, I want to mention, uh, Kentucky center Drake Jackson just did a breakdown of him this morning. Uh, he's, 
you know, a little bit undersized as a center, but uh, he consistently gets his blocks, double teams, uh, mauler, uh, can get to the next level. So he's someone I think will be, um, you know, very important and, and very uh, talked about once we get to the NFL draft process. Uh, and then to uh, finish it off, I would say uh, Paris Ford for Pitt, uh, safety out of Pitt. Uh, he, he's a missile, flying missile. He comes hard, uh, and he had another really good game, had an interception uh, against Miami on Saturday. So those are some of the guys that I thought stood out this weekend. Uh, there are more, uh, but those are the ones that come to mind immediately. Have you seen any um, like prospect cut-ups on YouTube at all? Have you look at it at any prospects so far this season? Like I, I'm, like of course I'm like throughout the, these first few weeks I'm just like taking my time, you know, just watching college football, just to watch it and keeping my eyes on um, some draft prospects. But now I'm at the point where okay, I really have to start looking at some of these guys so then I'm not behind. Um, you know, one, I think the Big Ten coming back this weekend, we'll, we'll see a bunch of guys really start to make their, make a name for themselves. We're, we're overreacting to some players saying, oh, this guy's um, CB1, oh, this guy's receiver one, blah, blah, blah. You still got plenty of talented players coming um, from uh, the Big Ten who are going to be playing this weekend for the first time this season. Um, Sean Wade's going to be playing this weekend. White uh, Davis, Josh Myers. Um, we'll be seeing uh, Chris Olave, Justin Fields. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, who we both agree is should be tight end one in um, this draft. We both we're both on the same page on that. I believe that too, and I want to bring up that argument real quick. And I, I've said this plenty of times. The top three tight ends in this draft class are similar to what the top three wide receivers were in last year's draft class, in the 2020 draft class. This is a very talented group at the top. This is a very talented tight end group overall. Kyle Pitts has his own skill sets that really translates well for the next level. Brevin Jordan, the same thing. Pat Fryermuth, yes, he, he, he Tends to be like that old fashioned looking tight end, like that does everything well. But when you look at Pat Bryan's tape, it, it, he does everything very, very well. He's a great route runner. He's a good blocker. Um, from what I've seen on tape, I know some people didn't weren't really fans of his blocking, but I thought it was better than what I saw from Pitts and Jordan. Um, he he's got great ball skills. Um, he can really line up anywhere. He's lined up as a, as the Y back, uh, H back in the slide, um, hand in the dirt, um, you know, and he's playing on the boundary too. He's very versatile. And same thing can be said for the, for the other two tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Bremen Jordan. But I think we've gotten so caught up with Kyle Pitts being so good to start out the year that we're forgetting about Pat Fryermuth. When we see Pat Fryermuth play this weekend, we'll we'll really understand. Okay, this guy's really good. He's going to be really really good. So, you know, I'm I'm excited to continue this conversation about the top tight ends in this draft class. And you know, um, 
hopefully we could maybe see another player or two from this tight end class really rise up and challenge these top three. So, you know, we still got plenty of months to go. Senior Bowl is not until January. Um, hopefully we have Senior Bowl in January. I assume we're going to have it, and I hope I'm down there. Um, the draft is still months and months away. So we still got time to talk about this. And I'm, you know, again, I'm really excited to continue that conversation. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Pat Fryermuth, um, he's a baller. And I want to say one thing about Penn State. We saw the news last night that uh, Journey Brown, he might be out for the season. And it's for a situation, um, we believe. Um, we're not going to really make assumptions. We won't really know until like legit news comes out, but there are rumors that, you know, the concern, he's having medical issues. He's having internal medical issues. Um, then I'm not, I don't want to assume it's COVID. I don't want to assume it's from COVID, but I'm hoping it's not. And I hope it's just, you know, that something that he can deal with this season and then come back next season and, um, the cl- and really ball out next year. So yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's it's disappointing for sure. Um, we ain't going Fisher though. Um, Brown, what he was he was expected to have a great year. Um, very talented running back. Um, so you know, it's is disappointing. I was hoping he would make a case for RB one, like he had that potential. Um, but of course we're, we're probably not going to see him this season because of, um, possible or rumored medical concerns. It's not anything that he's injured. It's just like his, his body internally is not right right now. So, um, wishing, I'm wishing Journey Brown the best and I really hope that he, um, comes back next season and makes a case for 2022 RB1. So it would be nice to see him in that draft class with all the talented players coming through in that one. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. One more thing. We have a special guest coming on Thursday or Friday, whenever you're going to be listening to it. He is someone that's very well known um, in the draft Twitter universe. Um, he's one of the more well-known uh, draft writers, one of the more well-known NFL writers um, in the industry. Um, let's just let's just say this guy. I'll, I'll go ahead and say this guy's from the Draft Network, but I'm not going to say who it is. So keep an eye keep an eye out for the next episode of the podcast, and we'll see you guys later. Peace.